I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's the My First Gig podcast. Whoa. Sharing stories of first gigs and shows. Hello and welcome to another edition of the My First Gig Podcast. Sorry, I had to clear a lot of spit out of my mouth. I am your host, Dwayne Dugan, your favourite world-famous podcaster, still here, still stuck inside, although we're having some beautiful weather here in Ireland. Hope Here we are, four weeks in, episode four of the Isolation Interviews for series two of the My First Gig Podcast is with none other than Marty DeRosa. Now, Marty is based out of Chicago, Illinois, in the US of A, the Americas, as they say in the States. I've known of Marty for many, many years now. Marty is well known in the professional wrestling realm, which I am a big fan of. If you are a wrestling fan and you don't know Marty, then you might know Marty and Sarah Love Wrestling, the podcast. Wrestling with Depression was an old podcast. Unprofessional Wrestling with Colt Boom Boom Cabana. $5 Wrestling on the High Spots Wrestling Network and much more. It was nice to sit down and chat with Marty today, like literally earlier today. This is how it's getting now for me. I forgot that. I just forgot what days were and I kind of forgot what I was doing. I kind of got back into trying to be a bit productive this week and I was thinking, right, what do I have to do? Here, Here's some admin. What can I do? I'm going through emails. I saw... An email from somebody that I reached out to for a podcast asking what date. And I was like, oh, I'll do it sometime before Wednesday. And I realized, oh, it's Wednesday. I don't have an episode recorded. Had a few recorded, put them out the last couple of weeks. I realized I don't have an episode. So thankfully, I had already scheduled to talk with Marty today. So look, just off the phone with him. And here we are now recording this fun interview. Don't worry, I'll be on time next week. But that's it. I'm just forgetting what days it is. Forgetting weekends, forgetting the day of the week. It's a very strange time and I don't want to be talking about it all the time. But obviously, the start of the chat, we'll just be chatting with how Marty's getting on during all this. But then we get into the comedy chat and hopefully that's a nice break for you. As I said, it was nice to chat to somebody involved in the professional wrestling world. He hosts a podcast with his girlfriend Sarah Shockey called Marty and Sarah Love Wrestling. Shout out to Sarah for setting up the podcast. And I mean like the equipment. She came on before recording, letting us know that Marty himself does not set up his own podcast equipment. Let it be known. Let it be known. But guys, yeah, check out Marty and Sarah. Love wrestling. Wherever you get your podcasts. A lot of great merch of theirs on ProWrestlingTees.com and on Patreon. You can support as well in these weird times where us comedians cannot do shows in a in a little seven degrees or six degrees or two and a half degrees of separation whatever it is marty actually made his professional wrestling debut a couple of years ago at wrestlecon which is the big convention that sits alongside wrestlemania in whatever city wrestlemania is on and in all these wrestling promotions from all over the world 
come together, put on these great shows. But I think it was on the WrestleCon Super Show. He teamed with his comedy buddy, Colt Cabana, against Joey Ryan and his partner of Dublin's own The Session Mott Martina, who hosted a crazy, crazy edition of the old TV show Blind Date on a cherry comedy show that we did in conjunction with OTT last year. OTT being the big Irish wrestling promotion. It was a lot of fun. I'd like to do that again. I say it to Marty that, you know, I'm kind of, I'm very envious that he's managed to squeeze in comedy and wrestling in together, which is something I'd like to do. You know, when this is all said and done, I'm going to try and merge my wrestling and comedy ventures into one. And by wrestling ventures, I mean the fact that I sit at home and I watch it. I haven't spoken about wrestling before on this, so if you're a wrestling fan, hey, welcome. Tweet me at Dwayne Dugan or at my first gate pod who your favourite wrestler is. Give me a match to watch. Send me something to check out. Right now, though, for you to check out, I recommend Marty DeRosa discussing his first gig way back when. So, guys, sit back, relax, slip into a bubble bath. Don't slip, you might hurt yourself. Slide into a bubble, just get into your bubble bath very gently. If you don't have a bubble bath, use a sink. And sit back and listen to my first gig with Marty DeRosa. I'm doing all right. It's just kind of. It's been interesting because uh, I told Sarah, and I don't know if you've ever felt this, every once in a while I'm like, what if I didn't do comedy anymore? What would that be like? And I never wanted to take time off because I felt like I would lose gigs and lose momentum. Hmm. Uh, But now the world has kind of been like, now you're going to get to see how that is. And like right away I was like, oh yeah, I don't like this. I I would still rather be performing. (laughs) So it's kind of like a Twilight Zone episode come to life. Yeah, I'm like a recovered comedian now. It's, It's been a month and two days. Yeah. I'm starting to get shaky. Yeah, and I see. Are you doing any like Zoom shows or anything like that? No, I kind of i I've seen a few, and I just it's not my thing. Yeah, me too. Me too. I'm just like I'm just gonna use this as a little vacation because I was talking to my buddy last night, and he's he's a comic also, and it was like I don't exactly know what what comedy is gonna be like when we get started. Like not in a like oh my god, will there be jokes? But like you know stuff that I was working on before this. I don't know if that'll fly anymore or just to, just as kind of like those things about like i don't know just everyday life is kind of different now so eh, we'll see how it goes well that's it like even in respect to just jokes like you know when you try and get a little bit of sympathy on just some little dumb idea yeah in a joke yeah no one's gonna care no more who cares it's like yeah and i mean and if you people like i'm sure you've gotten this too where people are like well i bet you got over an hour's worth of corona material it's like does anybody want jokes about this or there's gonna be people who are like tell jokes about this. And then there's going to be other people who are like, how dare you tell jokes about this? So it's going to be like a real weird, a real weird situation. At the Edinburgh Fringe last year, you couldn't move for Brexit shows. Sure. There could be a great Brexit show, but it didn't matter how good it was. No one wanted to hear about it anymore. Yeah. That's how it was with Trump here. After a while, people are just like, man, I'm at this show to not hear about this shit. Like if we could please not talk about this. Yeah, like the word alone just becomes a turn off. And I think that's going to be the same now. Yeah. Although there's going to be people just dressing up as the virus next year. I'm looking for sexy, uh, sexy coronavirus costumes next Halloween. <laughs> that and Tiger King, isn't it? That's the pair. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, that's yeah, it. Yeah. At least we don't have to hear people telling, opening their sets with uh, Hello, Crazy Kittens or whatever it is. You know, I I uh, haven't watched it. I'm aware of it. And, mm. I, and I, I I was telling somebody else, I was like, it's going to be so nice to not have to hear everybody's dumb Tiger King joke. <laughs> and it's like, I've had so many of those jokes where it's like, I'm not super big on like all the new, all the new TV shows or whatever. And it's like, 
I'll sit in the back of the comedy club and someone's doing their, you know, perfectly crafted Tiger King joke that's very funny and everyone's laughing and I get it. I get why it's funny, but I'm just like, eh, I, I, I'm still not going to watch it. I don't want to watch it. I'd rather watch old pro wrestling or horror movies or something. Yeah, that's I think that's where that's yeah, no, that is where I came across you years ago was true wrestling. Yeah, like you've, you've, you've seemed to done the perfect thing of being able to merge your career into your hobby as well. And that's that's very, very nice. I, 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 I'm very envious of it. I'm, in the wrestling world, you're kind of you're known now as a comedian as well. What's what's that like being a, you know, such a big fan as well? Uh, I mean, luckily, I, I sort of was able to. Yeah, it was like I was a, a comedian who liked wrestling, who started making it, you know, through uh, my podcast and through other stuff. And and now through this thing, it's like wrestling's the thing that's keeping me afloat because, you know, through our podcast and Patreon and stuff like that. And it be, it, it's become where I, you know, more of my uh, sort of business is the, the wrestling, which is wild. Like, I never thought that would be – I never thought watching all that wrestling as a kid or watching all those – you know, uh, shoot interviews before I'd go to bed every night was like going to pay off. And now it would be like a, a big part of my life as far as like, this is not just a hobby. It's like a job now. So it's pretty wild. The people who just do comedy, I, I don't, I don't know how they just don't get so sick of it. But again, these are the people that are like doing the zoom shows. Like, I don't know, like part of me is just like, God, do I not love comedy as much as all these other people seem to like, love it. Like I'm, I'm fine being like, I'm just going to take this as a break. Um, but to be able to like, like my favorite weekends before all this shit happened was I would have like a, a, you know, a show at a club on Saturday, on Friday, and then I'm calling a wrestling show here in Chicago on Saturday. That's like, that was my favorite weekend when I would have wrestling and comedy shows. Oh, that sounds fun. You actually had, I don't know, was it Mania a year or two ago? You, you had a match with our, our very own Session Mott Martina. Yeah, yeah. Two two years ago, uh, me and Colt took on uh, Martina and Joey Ryan in a match, which was... Uh, Super fun to do. Yeah, what was it like getting in there? Uh, so I backyard wrestled when I was a kid because uh, in Indiana, you know, we had backyards and all this stuff. So we we bought a wrestling ring off of uh, off of an old an old wrestler, and uh, we had it set up in our in our backyard. And we would do these wrestling matches and film it and put it on the public access channel. And uh, so I knew I knew how to wrestle a little bit. And then when we did the match, it was I was so nervous though, and like when uh Colt Cabana and I do comedy shows he's always like what are we gonna do I'm like yeah we'll just figure it out when we get out there you know kind of like in wrestling they say like call it in the ring meaning like we're not really gonna have a plan we'll figure it out when we get out there and that would always kind of be like at first he was like oh god I just want to know what we're doing I'm out of my element a little bit so when we were doing the wrestling match I was out of my element and it was kind of interesting where I was like what are we gonna do and he's like oh let's figure it out and I was like oh god this is (laughs) nerve-wracking and then we kind of went over everything and it was kind of like, if I could liken it to comedy, it was sort of like when you are doing like an hour, when you have like your hour or the, the current set you're doing or whatever, no matter how much time it is, you're just kind of like, all right, I start with this. I go real, I talk about my relationship, boom, then I go into therapy and then I talk about this and then I end with the, you know, this story. And it, it's like when you're doing, a, you know, a show and you're like, okay, I got the light. So I know I've got five more minutes. We're going to launch into this last joke and then we're out of here. And it was like that with the wrestling match where I was like, once we did this one move, like and during the match, I was like, ah, oh, it's over. Like, I, I know what I have to do and it's all over. Like the hard part's over. It was like such a fun thing. It's like getting the first laugh, I guess. Yeah. 
yeah and it's like okay that worked so now we're okay not like yeah no matter when like you could know these jokes are good but you're if you're doing a new club you're just like are they gonna like me maybe there's something about this city where they don't like me very impressed that you guys had your own ring like we 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 did backyard here obviously as well i think everybody did we just had a little corner of a field so like having your own ring uh, i can't even imagine that what was your backyard name uh tommy jobber which was like a, a playoff of tommy dreamer um and we had a uh first we had a trampoline we were trampoline championship wrestling tcw but then when we bought the ring, we became Tri-Town Championship Wrestling. Because our, our town was, there was three towns in our area called the Tri-Town. If I say to you, before we talk about your first gig, if I bring you right back to whenever it is, if I ask you your first memory of comedy, what comes to mind for you? Uh, I think as far as comedy goes, it would be uh, watching watching comics on like the, the late night shows, like the Tonight Show or, or Letterman or whatever. More than that, like I, re- I just remember watching them on TV and kind of being like, oh, okay. I don't really remember. Uh, the, actually, the first name I really remember with stand-up comedy is uh, Rosie O'Donnell hosted a show on VH1. And that was like the first time, because I remember seeing it on The Tonight Show and being like, oh, that's different. They're not playing music. They're just telling jokes, which I thought was very strange. And then I remember that VH1 had this like stand-up show they would play all the time during the day. And I would be like, oh, this is that thing they were doing instead of playing music. And then it all started to make sense to me. What about actually experiencing live comedy in person then? Would you have seen it much before you started? Uh, I, I saw it a little bit before I started. I went and saw, I think Jim Norton was the first comic I saw live. And I was like, it was very eye opening and revealing. Oh, no, no. Actually, I think I'm trying to think who the first, it was either, either Jim Norton or Bill Burr I saw first, but it was very eye opening and very much like, oh, this is like, cause I had always heard of the comedy club in Chicago, but never went there. And then I finally went there and it was much smaller than I thought it would be. And just the whole, you know, seeing like a host or like a, a guest spot or a feature stumble through their set and being like, oh, not everybody's awesome at this. And and, and it was just really eye opening. And so, yes, yeah, so obviously, like if you're going to like Jim Norton or Bill Burr, you've got an interest in comedy. So what would have drawn you towards stand up comedy before you got to see it? My older brother was like big into a comedy, like Saturday Night Live, again, like Letterman, like he would I remember when we got a VCR. He would always record Letterman and I would watch it. And my brother was nine years older than me. And if he laughed at something, I remember not getting it, but being like, why, why is this funny? What about this is funny? But then there was stuff that I thought was absolutely funny. And then I remember watching a lot of um, like SCTV would be on reruns on like Nick at night, you know, like Nickelodeon. Um, And I, I was really drawn towards like that and kids in the hall. But then once comedy central came out when it was just the, the, I think it was the comedy channel at first. They played a lot of stand up, and that's when I just was like, "Oh man, that other stuff's great!" Like, I love Kids in the Hall, I love SCTV, I love Old Saturday Night Live, but stand up, I was like, "This is this is what I really like." And then when I when I started realizing like who the better comics were, and I would you know go to the library and I would rent like Andrew Dice Clay's cassette tape and and you know Rodney Dangerfield and Richard Pryor and stuff like that. So, yeah, so obviously, yeah, you're immersing yourself in it. I'm guessing that's what kind of made you want to give it a go. So this was something you loved. Absolutely. Yeah. When did you uh, when did you decide to give it a go? I waited a long time. I didn't start doing it till I was like uh, either 30 or almost 30. And uh, I finally just decided to do it. And I, I did the research. And this was before, you know, podcasts that let you know how it goes or or, you know, websites or things like that. It was still kind of like 
I don't know. Like I remember asking people that, that did improv and they're like, I don't know, you got to go to an open mic and they're, the, the listings are in the newspaper. This was pre when everything was online. Um, and I was like, okay. And I remember I went to an open mic a couple times before I went. There was an open mic by my house and I would go watch it a couple times before I finally did it. And then I just, one day I think I like, you know, was just like, I'm going to do this. And then I did it. And then I didn't do it for a little while. Then I, you know, got drunk and told my friends I'm going to do it again. And they all came. So it was like, it was sort of a, uh, uh, I would dip my toe in and then wait a little while, dip my toe in and then wait a little while. And would you consider that first time at the open mic, your first gig? Um, I mean, I guess, I guess you could say that's, you know, if you want, if you, to me, it's like your first gig is when you get paid. Sure. So I, I wouldn't consider that. It was kind of funny though, because when I, when you asked me to do this, I was thinking back and I, I remember the, the first open mic I went to, uh, or one of the first might've been the second, um, this guy who put on all these shows in Chicago was like, Oh, great job. And like, that was your first time. And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, or second time, whatever. And he's like, Oh, it's pretty good. And I was like, Oh, thanks. We were just talking or whatever. It's probably terrible. But you know, when you young, you think you're good or whatever. And, uh, and I thought he booked me for a show the next night. And I was like, well, this is pretty easy. I just did one open mic and I'm already booked on a show. Like, this is great. And I remember I went to the bar and it's funny because I, I walk past that bar every once in a while. And whenever I see it, I kind of laugh to myself because I thought he had booked me for the show off of one or two open mics. And I walk in and the guy is like, oh, it's like five bucks. And I'm like, nah, I'm on the show. And he's like, oh, okay. And then I kind of like, one up to the guy and I'm like, Hey, what's up? I'm like, and he's like, Oh, thanks for coming. And then just kind of walked <laughs> away. And I was like, Oh no, I'm not on this show. He just invited me to come watch the show. And I felt so mortified. And I kept looking at like the doorman kept like pointing over at me. And I'm like, Oh no. Did you have to pay in the end? Uh, no, I didn't. I didn't get to pay in the end, but I thought, you know, I'm a comic. So, you know, if I do shows, I like comics in for free. So I thought I, I didn't feel as bad. Two shows in free show. That's a success. Hey, I mean, I thought that was a pretty good batting average of like I did one or two mics and I'm already booked on a show. I thought, well, this is going to be real easy. I'll be on TV in no time. <laughs> What's the name of the uh, the open mic? The name of it was called the Edge Open Mic. The Edge Open Mic. That was there was a, yeah, a guy who ran a bunch of open mics back in the day here in Chicago. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. And yeah, so you're heading down there. You see it a couple of times. Like when you go down, I guess, is that is that like a traditional open mic kind of sign up on the night kind of job? Yeah, yeah. Just sign up that night or whatever. And uh, it was interesting because I, I, I still, and I don't know if you noticed this, but like, can you spot people at shows when you're just like, oh, you're checking this out to see like, this is something you want to do. Can you spot them in the crowd? Um, I'm not sure. So like you, you see, you see the people who hover, like I run, I run a, I run a nice and you see people who could have come up like the way they hover kind of at the break. Yeah. Oh yeah. You guys do breaks. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then they come up at the end. You're like, oh yeah, that's that guy. You know, he, yep. he, he's, he wants to know what's the, what the story is. Yeah. I can always kind of spot them. And I, and I was that same guy. That's why I can always spot them. And I always talk to them. Cause I could tell they're kind of like, huh. And it's like, first you come to a comedy show alone. That to me is, is a little bit of a dead giveaway. Sometimes people are just in town for the night and they're just like, no, I'm just checking it out. I'm doing business in town or whatever, which I get. But every once in a while, and then I could tell, and it's like, then you see them at one show, then they're at another show, and it's like, oh, okay, you're, you've sort of made some decision in your life that this is something you want to try, and you're, you're scoping it out, which I, and I always tell them, I'm like, don't go to do, just go to open mics and start performing. Don't like scope it out too much. Like, you're never going to be ready. You're never going to be like, oh, I've written these jokes on my lunch break at work, and I'm ready to go. It's like, you'll never be ready. You got to just start going to open mics. Yeah, it's like, you know, you can't practice anywhere else than on stage. No, there's no practice. So, yeah, you're you're heading down a couple of times against your own advice now. You're scoping it out. <laughs> sure. But I had to learn, yeah. Sure, yeah. Like, do you go down that first night with stuff in mind or do you see it and then go, right, I'm going to go prepare stuff and come back? I think that I would... Also, at this time, I was like, I was a, a delivery driver and I would have uh, serious... Or XM. I had XM uh, satellite radio in my car, and I've been listening to a lot of the stand-up stations, and I was listening to, um, you know, like uh, Opie and Anthony was a big radio show back in the day here, and and I would listen to these comics talking, and I and I started kind of like jotting down ideas. So I think I had some ideas. Uh, I definitely had ideas and and you know quote unquote jokes when I went to my first mic to perform. And how do you write a, write jokes when you've, I guess, you've never done it before? Is it purely, like, I guess, mimicking what you've heard before and trying to make your own version? Yeah, I think it's, like, m- mimicking what I've heard or stuff I've said to friends that was like, oh, they seem to really laugh at that. Like, I think I'll I'll jot that down. Did you start doing that thing where you start talking to friends and you're starting out and you're doing a few open mics and they know you're doing open mics and they just stop and they go, you're testing out material on me now, are you? Oh, I hate that. I, I hate when I talk to a com- <laughs> if I talk to a comic and they, I think, are just talking to me as normal people and then go on stage and do it. I, I like will I will give them such a fucking harsh, a, a harsh review of that. So I'm like, you fucking talk to me like I just think it's so gross. Like I love just giving people shit for that. And then st- like if you were just like, hey, what do you think about this? And then you went up and did it. But if you were just like. If I was like, hey, Dwayne, how's it going? And you're like, well, the other day I woke up and my arm hurt. And then you did a bit about it. I would be like, oh, that is so gross. I can't believe you did that. <laughs> like, yeah, going to these open mics. Do you remember any of the comedians from the scene at the time that you started to see that you know now today or you, you got to know? Yeah. I mean, like there's a there's a lot of the the uh, the one in Chicago that I would go to. There was a lot of guys, uh, a lot of performers like uh, 
TJ Miller and Kamel Nanjiani, Pete Holmes and uh, uh, TJ Miller and stuff like that. Those guys were all kind of the like the cool guys around town when I first started going to to shows. TJ came over to a, to a festival here a couple of years ago. We have a four night festival here in Dublin, and it's a lot of American comics come over mm-hmm. by night four. No, none of the imports were standing, and TJ still running around. Oh yeah, yeah, from all the drinking and partying and stuff. Yeah, in Chicago we uh we drink a lot. There's a for whatever reason uh, we drink a real lot in Chicago. It's one of those things of like you know sometimes comics will come to town and then all of a sudden they're just like Jesus. Everybody here drinks real bad and eats real bad, so it's a it's a fun place to be. <laughs> the first night that you went to go on stage, did you know you were going to go on stage? I did, I did. I had note cards ready to go, and I was flipping through them on the bus. I was I was ready. How many times had you gone before this? A couple of times, a couple of weeks, maybe. Yeah, and then and so I went uh, to a, this like big popular open mic, but for my first one, I was very strategic. I went to like one that I heard was like a little off the beaten path. You didn't want to be like too exposed, I guess. No, I was like, I'm going to do this, figure it out and then go to that big open mic and just blow everyone away. That was my plan. Tell me about the night. Like, so what's, what's, what's the open mic look like? You know, you arrive, you sign up. How many acts are we talking on the show? Very, uh, very poorly attended bar show or bar, you know, open mic. Um, and it's uh, it's now it's now changed owners. It's a different bar, but it's by Wrigley Field where the Cubs play. So I, I live in that area. So I'll walk past this bar as well often. Um, it was it was low attended, and I remember there was probably like maybe fifteen comics on the lineup, which in Chicago is pretty pretty small for an open mic. No way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, usually there's like forty. Oh God. Eight would be a big show here. Yeah, no, in Chicago, the mics, sometimes these mics can start at seven o'clock and go till two in the morning. Some, you know, some open mics here have actual audiences that come and most are just comics, yeah. So yeah, you got about 15 people on the show that night. Whereabouts in the the night are you? Uh, If I recall properly, I probably wrote my name down right in the middle, which seems like the, all these are just like the most basic new comedy thing. You know, it's like, I'm going to go to a smaller open mic. I'm going to go in the middle, not towards the beginning, not towards the end, like probably early middle. So you'd seen a few people. Yep. You know, you're going up soon. Yeah. Do you remember what you're feeling as you start seeing other people and you realize, right, okay, I'm, I'm about to follow one of these. You know, I think what would happen, and I'm, I'm still like this with shows where it's like, if I see somebody who's doing really well, I'm like, oh no, I don't know how to do that. And then if I see somebody doing really bad, I'm just like, okay, get me up there. I think I can, I think I can fix this. I'm, I'm, if I, and the, but like, if I see somebody just do like, especially like if it's like a really great, well-written joke and the crowd's laughing and there's callbacks and everything, I'm just like, oh no, I don't think I do that. Like I, I just somehow tell myself like what I do is, is, is different and not as like perfectly crafted as that. And I start getting in my head. Do you remember any of the jokes you told that night? Oh my god, I think I did. Uh, so I had note cards, and I was going to make a joke about how I'm a pothead and I can't remember anything. Uh, and I was going to, as I read the note card, I was going to throw the 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 note card after each joke. I thought that was going to be so funny. Uh, <laughs> which I realized that's just what Letterman did. He would throw his note cards around. So I was just like, "Oh, you unoriginal hack! What are you doing?" That's how your whole career started now, off the back of that. Yeah, yeah. But I did I did have one joke. I had one joke that I thought uh, uh, the about the drummer from Def Leppard only having one arm. And I thought uh, that was like a pretty decent joke. 
at the time or whatever. And I was like, that's not a bad joke. That was like what I consider my first joke. Like how I used to, I used to have long hair and I cut it and I, I sort of used that as a, a time reference sometimes. Like if somebody would be like, was that in, you know, 2000 or 2001, I'd be like, well, that was in 2000. Cause I had my long hair and I, and I did a joke about if the drummer from Def Leppard does that about like, well, it was probably, you know, 82. Cause I had both of my arms. That's, yeah. Comparisons. Yeah. That's a, that's a structured joke already. You know, you know, you know, not a, not a bad little joke for a, for a new, new boy comic. How did it go that night? Did it go well? Uh, in my head, I think it went okay, but it probably was terrible. But that's it. No, like I think if it went bad, you'd know it went bad. Yeah, because I had, I had, I had some that, like, I remember. Oh man, and I, I still to this day, I love when I see it because it happened to me. When you bomb so hard, you walk right off the stage and right out the front door. You don't talk to anybody. <laughs> you know, and it's just like fuck this. I'm never doing comedy again. Like. No one here will ever, I'll never see any of these people again, so it doesn't matter, and you just get in your car or get on the bus or train, and you're just like, fuck this. So I had those. And you said you took a break, so like one, you went once, and then that was it? You, like, what What was your thought? Yeah, like, I didn't, I didn't, uh, again, this was before, like, podcasts and everything, and it's like, I feel like now if you want to get into comedy, there's so many documentaries and podcasts and things and books and, and you know, stuff online that you can get the idea of, oh, okay, and and yeah, you do the same material. You you can work on the same material week in and week out. And I thought like, well, I did those jokes. I'll have to come back when I have new jokes. And I just didn't know. I didn't know the deal, you know? Yeah. Um, and or, or it would just go either just okay or bad. And I would be like, well, I'm not going to, you know, torture myself by doing this. It's like after a hard day of work, I'm going to go, you know, sit in a bar for four hours and just wait to go up to just bomb. Like I was just, I, I don't like looking back now, I don't know how I had the, the, the drive and determination to do it, to stick with it. I'm cause normally everything I do is just like, ah, fuck it. Like I've always just quit everything and I don't know why I stuck around doing it. What were you doing at the time? You said you were a delivery driver, was it? Yeah. Just family business and, and just making deliveries and stuff. What was like, what was the plan? Was there a plan or was it just kind of Dude, no plan? No, nah, no plan. Like, no, like I was just just floating through life, no plan. And at what point did you start to think, right, this could be it? I think I just started like seeing the same people. You know, it was funny because I'd never really worked out, and I started going to the gym a little bit a couple years ago, and it was like the same thing. It's like you keep going, you see the same people, and it's a head nod, and then it's oh, I'm actually talking to this person, and then somebody goes, hey, instead of this, you should do that instead of the oh, okay, and then you like start just start learning. And uh, I just started meeting the same, you know, I would see the same people around and, and then, uh, you know, drinking and stuff like that. You're chatting more. And then all of a sudden it's, it just became so much more like tangible and like, oh, okay, I could do this. Uh, yeah. It's, I, I'm in the club now, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's fun because I had a lot now every night of the week I could go out and, you know, see some people that I, I enjoyed hanging out with and, and have some beers. It was, it was super fun too. So you went that first time. You told some friends you went back a while later. Yeah. Like how long did it take you to, once you start doing this, even just open mics going, you know, kind of, I guess, consistently rather than kind of in and out? Yeah. Cause I, re- I would remember these guys would be like, if you really want to do this, you got to do this like at least four nights a week. And I remember thinking that's just not possible. Like <laughs> how, how could I do this four nights a week? Like, are you crazy? And I, and then when I, I don't know, it's just like after a while, I just started thinking like it was all it like, like I'm sure a lot of people, it just like consumed me and it's all I thought about at work. I'm just writing notes and jokes and this and that. And I can't wait to go do it tonight. And, and 
and when it when I really knew I was hooked was when it would go poorly, but I still was like, I can't wait to go the next night to fix that joke and 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 actually make it work. And it was like that was just like, oh, I'm in now. I'm consumed by this because you said a second ago, you know, if it didn't go well, you'd be like, oh, well, why would I want to do this? And then yep. There's obviously a light bulb moment somewhere that happens and going, right, this is it, this is... Right, or, or you get off stage and somebody goes, hey, you didn't say, you know, that you used to do that. If you go on stage and say that you used to do thing A, when you do the joke, people will actually laugh at it. And it's like, oh, yeah. You know, and then you're... Or you're listening to the tape and you're going, why didn't I go up with more confidence? Or why did I waste time talking about this thing, you know? And then it's just a matter of like, okay, now I need, I want to put this stuff to actual use. And it's, it just becomes like, you know, so addicting. And it's, it sounds like, you know, there's, I, I guess the difference between, you know, maybe wanting to do it and caring about doing it. Yeah, sure. Would you get nervous in those early days? Oh yeah, for sure. Very nervous. How would you combat that? Slamming beers. I'm, I'm slamming beers. I'm getting high. Like I'm, I'm self-medicating. I'm getting ready. Just distractions almost. Just, yeah. Whatever I can do to make my brain calm down a little bit. While you're in that mode, if we could take you back today, five minutes before you meant to go on, the guy before you is on stage, yeah, and you can pull yourself aside and have a little chat. What would you think you'd say today to the Marty back then? Oh, uh, don't worry. Literally, nobody but you will remember this day. There will be people here that you will become friends with who will not remember you or remember you going up at this. So you have absolutely nothing to lose. It doesn't matter. And it's just about getting reps in. And if I could equate it to wrestling, I would be like, this is day one of wrestling school. Nobody ever years from now is going to go, I don't know, you didn't do that uh, body slam right the first day of wrestling school. Isn't that just some nice advice? Like that last question, I hope people know this is for like aspiring comedians who are either thinking of starting out or who are like in their first year or so of comedy wondering what to do and this is all about comedians who have put in the years put in the hours and their advice back to you and that's look just have fun don't worry about what's going to happen in those early days no one will remember like i'm going to tell you a little story now i'm not going to tell you too much about my first gig but on my first gig i did so bad i thought it was brilliant did 13 minutes in when i think we were meant to do seven and the very next day i emailed the video to the biggest comedy club in Ireland, saying, hello, I'm a comedian. Where's my money? So, and you know what? I played there later on, and they didn't remember who I was from those early days. So don't you worry about that. Anyway, guys, thank you so much for joining in for the My First Gig podcast. If you're a fan of Marty, a fan of professional wrestling, and this is your first time listening, why not go back and check out the archives Series 2's got some great American comedians as part of these isolation interviews. Todd Barry, Emma Willman, Adam Caton Holland, and today Mary DeRosa, and many more coming starting next Wednesday. If you're from over over here in, in Little Old Ireland or the UK, some great UK and Irish comedians, Ardle Hannan, James Acaster, Reg D. Hunter, many, many more back in the archives in Season 1. Go check them out. I am Dwayne Dugan, a world-famous podcaster and a very funny boy, so if you do enjoy listening to me ramble go follow me at Dwayne Dugan be sure to follow the podcast at my first gig pod wherever not wherever we only have a twitter a facebook and an instagram go check out those if you want to listen go to myfirstgigpod.com to get some links to where you can listen or just even just search it wherever you get your podcast and you'll have a lovely little old time go follow marty online at marty de rosa on instagram and on twitter 
go listen to the Marty and Sarah podcast. Marty and Sarah love wrestling. Check it out, Marty and Sarah love wrestling.com at Marty Sarah Pod. Go to ProWrestlingTees.com. Buy a shirt of theirs. Go to their website and buy a pin. You like pins? Yeah, they got some lovely pins. My favourite being the Handsome Boy Championship Wrestling pin. I think that's from Lapelia. Go check it out. Then tweet them. Tweet them, say, hey, just heard your podcast for the first time. Off the back of hearing you on the My First Gate podcast. Or just tweet Marty at Marty DeRosa saying, hey, Marty, heard you on the My First Gate podcast. It was great. Dwayne was great. And then give them all your money. And then just, I don't have a Patreon or anything like that. So if you want to give me money, just like put it in an envelope and send it to Cherry Comedy at Whelan's. Find the address online. I'll take any currency. I don't mind. And uh, yeah, guys, look. Back next Wednesday. Hope you had fun. Thanks for joining me. See you another time. Goodbye. It's the My First Gig Podcast.